Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Brendan Cullen is training to swim the English Channel, but what makes his journey just that little bit more exceptional is that he is a sheep farmer from Cars Station, east of Broken Hill in New South Wales, Australia, and is about 350 kilometres from the nearest coastline. Four mornings a week, Brendan swims in the murky waters of Lake Pamamaru and Lake Kopi Hollow in the Menindi Lakes, where he can't typically see more than 20 centimetres in front of his face. And there's not a lot of open water in the desert. Brendan already has some major swimming achievements under his belt, such as swimming for eight hours non-stop, and he is an ambassador for Lifeline, raising awareness and money for mental health. The first question I asked Brendan, as always, was has he always been an ocean swimmer? Um, no, no, I haven't. Um, you know, basically I started swimming properly about six years ago and that was when I shifted from, or my family shifted from one sheep station to another and uh, I worked for a uh, family company and, um, uh, yeah, moved here six years ago and and that sort of brought me closer to Broken Hill and... Actually, we'll take a step back. I, I saw my brother swim, uh, the Bondi to Bronte swim. Uh, went over and watched him do that. And I just thought it was amazing. And because I'd shifted and I lived closer to Broken Hill, I thought, oh, well, I might um, join in the next Bondi to Bronte and, um, you know, roll the arms over. And it sort of started from there. And It's still a fair um, distance from Broken Hill to Bondi. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, over a thousand k's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is. just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, you know, um, it can be expensive jumping in a plane and go over there, but you know, it's a change of scenery, and it's you know, the, I think the you know the whole swimming thing is not only it's good for you physically, but you know, to catch up with people, you know, at an event is a wonderful thing. You know, catch up with my brother or mates and such a tight-knit community too and and I say that I've lucked upon it because I didn't realise that there were so many people out there that were keen to see you do well in whatever you wanted to achieve and um, whether it be you know having a crack at the channel or trying to swim 2k's or whatever it may be everyone's there propping you up you know pushing you in the right direction and and um, that's a rarity that's a rarity in everyday life um, yeah, and because um, you know, there's there's the odd knocker out there, isn't there? Regardless what you do, but with the ocean swimming or open water swimming or swimming in general, it just seems as if people are there to see you do well. And um, I must admit, I've never experienced it to the extent that I have. Um, it's quite quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's a great community. I think that's that's one of the things about it that that really maybe you're attracted there because of the swimming or the sport or whatnot but that community really keeps you doesn't it oh there's no doubt about that i mean i've met some wonderful people um you know in a physical sense i've I've got a wonderful coach in mike gregory and and he's coaching a handful of um fellas um that are looking to swim you know the channel and i've met just plenty of people through that process and I joined up with um, Broken Hill Aquatic uh, Swim Club in Broken Hill, um, and you know the people there are just you know 
wonderful. Um, you know, cracking families and whatnot. But it's interesting because when I joined up to Broken Hill Aquatic, I thought, oh, yeah, there'll be some masters, you know, older people swimming and whatnot. But I got there and um, they were all kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, gee, I'm out of my comfort zone here. And, um, and I jumped in and I just started swimming and the coach looked at me and uh, back back then, a different coach back then, and he said, right, I go for a swim, and, and so I did, and um, I thought I could swim all right, and I realised very quickly that I couldn't. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, he um, basically said, you've got to do this, this, and this, and you know, and I realised that it was such a technical sport. I had no idea. Um, so really, what I do is I swim. Um, you know, pre, sort of pre-COVID, um, do two or three trips into town a week and crank up some k's in the pool and swim with the squad every now and again and then swim in the lakes and w- whatever works and then go down to Melbourne, swim down there, swim in Sydney, wherever I can get in the watermark. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's a rapid rate of improvement in six years from from not being a swimmer to being able to swim. So I've, I've seen some of your achievements, you know, swimming 20 k's in the in the pool uh, and that looked mm. like a 25 meter pool too, so that's a lot of turning. Um, <laughs> uh, you swam for eight hours at once uh, in the ocean. Mm. I mean, this is—you've um, improved a lot. It must have an amazing. You must have some some uh, some real talent there as well as the the stamina. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I think um, certainly early days, um, it, I was just jumping in the water. You know, you're swimming for time. You know, you're trying to beat your time. I was anyway, and you notice with your technique, um, it started to improve, and you know you're creating this muscle memory and all this sort of stuff. And um, what I found is when I wasn't swimming with the squad, um, I just enjoyed swimming, and um, I've started to um, clock up, you know, four k's, five k's, six k's, and you know I've got a um, an appetite for um, trying to improve on what I do. It's just the nature of who I am. And um, then I found that, you know, I hit the 10K mark and I think, geez, I don't mind this, um, uh, you know, marathon-type swimming. And um, it sort of evolved from there. And then, you know, swimming in the ocean uh, sort of created my hunger or my thirst to swim longer distances in, in different environments. And, and um, yeah, so, look, I haven't stopped swimming now for six years and um, probably swimming more so like a lot more now now I've got this goal in front of me um, certainly the last couple of years I've put a lot of kilometres in, in various conditions and and it's a challenge every day is a challenge you know logistically getting to where I need to get into the water or just dealing with the type of water you know whether it be cold you know um, yeah, rough um, pumping out 20 k's in a 25 meter pool that was um, that was mind numbing. I must, I must <laughs> and I think the water at that time was uh, 31 degrees, oh. 32 degrees. I remember um, getting out of the water and I felt okay, although my arms were cramping for probably the last two or three k's. And I had someone helping me, as in you know swimming in front of me, and we'd do like 400 meter and just keep going like that, um, which helped me a great deal. But I remember um, getting out the pool, having a shower, and then 
I just had this strange sensation in my legs. I I was actually worried that I wasn't going to be able to stand up. Um, and I think it had a, a bit to do with uh, dehydration, swimming yeah. for that length of time, probably, probably not feeding well enough or drinking enough fluids and, you know, because I'm not good at that yet. I've got to get that sorted. And, um, but yeah, so, but they're the interesting things. I mean, you see 20 Ks in a 25 and you think, well, maybe next time I've got to swim 21, you know, yeah. just, yeah. it's embedded. Mm. Oh, it's, that's amazing. So it sounds like you're, you're kind of training for anything to be like anything could be thrown at you in terms of logistics and cold water and the weather and, and, and anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think really that's, for me, um, to stay sort of swim fit's important because if, if I'm asked to do a swim, so if my coach asked me to do a swim of some sort, so I, I feel that I've got the capacity to be able to do that, you know, in, you know, most conditions. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, pre-COVID, like this latest stint, um, you know, I was down in Melbourne and I'd ring him up and say, you know, can I join in? And I'd go down there with my coach, Mike Gregory, and and um, it'd be a couple of his mates down there and and um, we'd just jump in the water and, you know, sometimes it's rough as guts and, you know, it takes me out of my comfort zone because I'm not used to swimming in that sort of water. Um, but, you know, by doing that, it gives me this, you know, it gives me an experience. Um, it sort of normalises, you know, the worst of the conditions, if you can sort of look at it like that, um, swimming in cold water. Um, I certainly can't swim for the time that those guys down there swim in cold water, but um, I swim through winter uh, in Broken Hill uh, in cold water. Yeah. But, you know, um, I, it gets about, it gets down to about 10 here. Um, it's only, well, last year I swam in 9 degrees, but generally it gets down to about 10 and that's about it. Um, but, um, yeah, so... It's, you know, I, I feel I've got the capacity to be able to jump in the water um, wherever I am um, and with whoever and swim, you know, comfortably and feel safe. Um, if I was unfit, I would be worried about doing that. So, um, yeah, it's important just to keep moving. And what made you think of the English Channel? It's a, it's a funny one because... Um, not much at the start when I started swimming in Broken Hill. Um, yeah, that was probably the furthest thing from my mind. And uh, I did a trip. My wife is from Melbourne. So we go down there um, reasonably often, you know, two or three times a year. And um, uh, I went down there and my brother-in-law took me down to Brighton Baths and for, for a swim went down there and there was a brochure on the wall saying um, there's a English Channel um, qualifying uh, swim uh, the next day. And I read it and I thought, oh, that'd be good. And there was a two-hour, uh, a six-hour and an eight-hour and Michael Gregory was running it. And I had a chat with Mike and I said, is there any chance I can join in? He said, yeah, sure, mate. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'll do the two hour because I had no idea what I was in for and you know it was a lot lighter then as well um, and um, so I jumped in about 8 o'clock in the morning 
might have been, and swum for an hour and a half, and I was getting very cold. And uh, I think the water was about 16, 15, 16. And um, I made it to the two-hour mark, and I remember thinking, oh, this is so cold. And I remember, you know, physically shaking and whatnot in the water. I just wasn't used to it. And Mike was standing on the deck looking at me. He goes, how are you going, mate? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm about to um, get out. And um, he looked at me and said, oh, I'll jump in with you, mate. We'll do a few laps around the uh, Brighton, Brighton bars. And I'm thinking, oh. I don't really want to do that, <laughs> but I'm thinking this bloke's a legend. I can't say no, so I took off with him. We got a, he got another half an hour out of me. I got out, and um, when I got out, uh, I had a couple of people help me to the, uh, the steam room because um, my legs were like jelly. Um, so I suppose that triggered something. And first of all, you know, we created this relationship, and we kept in touch for a good, you know, twelve months or more, and. Um, I don't know, started swimming some distances back in Broken Hill and whatnot, and we had a bit of a discussion, and um, he said to me one day, he said, you should have a crack at the um, channel, you know, know, as a passing comment, and I I, um, had a good think about that, and I rang him back, and I said, mate, let's have a a go. Um, What do you like at coaching a bloke from afar, like a thousand kilometres away? He said, yeah, mate, yeah, well, let's do it. So, so, so basically two and a half years ago or two years and, uh, was it, two months ago, um, two years and two months, yep, um, we started the journey and um, have been training ever since. And we're supposed to um, go September this year, like now, and um, but obviously we couldn't get over to England. Probably could have got to England, but there's a very good chance we wouldn't have been able to get out of England back into Australia, so we can that. So now we've got a date for July the 28th next year. Okay. Um, got a spot there with uh, Sea Leopard Charter. Oh, that's mm. so amazing. That's quite exciting. That's something to oh, look oh, Look, I can't wait. I mean, I just can't wait to get in and have a go. Like, it's, um, you know, and it could be a blessing in disguise for me uh, in a way just sort of, build some strength, more strength up and, you know, get heavier and um, sort of, you know, try and learn how to eat properly, you know, and, and because, look, when I started all this, I was about 87 kilos. Now I'm 93, 94 yep. and um, probably need to be another two or three kilos heavier, put more fat on. So I'll tell you, I'm enjoying the eating. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, the photos of you online, you look quite lean and strong. Um, you, you don't look like you're carrying that much weight. Yeah, well, I just, yeah, you know, uh, it just feels like that. But you, um, with that extra weight too, you need to keep your strength. So yeah. um, currently uh, we're just, I'm built like trying to eat the right foods, put on weight, do a bit of CrossFit training, all that sort of stuff, and just maintain a level of fitness, like a platform of fitness, because as I get closer uh, to the end date, um, my, you know, certainly in the last six months, my my swimming will ramp up, and, um, you know, I'll be doing a lot more Ks than I'm doing at the moment. But we've got a couple of swims on, um, well, a couple of, Swims on the go, so hope, hopefully have a crack at that um, rottenness next year. 
uh, already booked my flights and fantastic yep accommodation so and there's a couple of things oh another eight hour um, down Port Phillip Bay and there's a few things um, we've got on the go so it, there's all these little goals along the way that you sort of build up to try and complete them and then it sort of you know I suppose gives you that strength and but look I've never swam the channel I've never been I've got no idea what it's going to be like um, uh, I think for me um, not swimming it or not attempting to swimming it would cripple cripple me. So um, not completing it, you know, I'd love to complete it, but um, knowing that I could have had a go and I haven't um, just doesn't sit well with me. So, um, you know, my expectations are to try and complete it, of course, but um, there's so many things there that can stop that from happening, you know, whether it be weather or, you know, the cold water or, you know, fatigue or, you know, so many things so um, um, I'm just looking forward to sinking my teeth into it really What's it, what's it like swimming in the Menindi Lakes? I mean, that's a very long way from the ocean. Uh, and it's interesting. You think of inland lakes and sometimes you think of pristine, beautiful, flowing rivers or something. And, and some of the images I've seen of the Menindee Lakes, they're, they're pretty brown um, mm-hmm. and, and, and with trees growing in them that you'd have to mm-hmm. dodge when you're, when you're swimming. What's it like swimming in that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit strange, actually, because you can't see any further than about probably 20 centimetres in front of your face. Like, it's the water's murky. So you're never swimming in clear conditions at all, ever. And um, so, you know, for me, certainly when I started uh, trying to normalise cold water swimming, when I started, there was not much water in the lakes at all. In fact, you know, I was swimming along and my fingers were sort of touching the, the floor of the lake. I was actually swimming in what they call the Kopi Channel, which is like an offset to the um, uh, Manini Lake system. And um, one day I was swimming, and I was hitting fish all the time because the lake, because the water was so low, it was dry. It's a weird feeling. And one went in my mouth, and um, <laughs> this bloody fingling went in my mouth. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> That's just, you know, you, you know, just having a live fish go in your mouth is just a strange feeling. And, uh, but, um, you know, thankfully, um, the last couple of years we've had a, well, certainly in the last six months, we've had significant inflows into the lakes and it's given me a greater capacity to swim in sort of better conditions uh, and I can pick and choose a bit where I go. So at the moment I'm swimming in a spot uh, lake called Lake Pamamaru, which is which is probably what you call the second lake before it spills into Menindi, and um, it's quite a big lake, but there's a big open area. So I sort of I sort of meander in there, and I've got my own sort of track where I go or um, spot where I swim, and um, mostly open. And then I sort of swim in amongst the 
uh, dead timber. I sort of know where I'm going. Um, but um, every now and again, if you if you do a different swim and you have a bit of a play around, you'll you'll hit submerged logs and stuff like that. So you really do need to be careful. So it's best to familiarise yourself in where you're swimming. And I don't like to go out, you know, in the real deep water because I'm by myself a lot. And um, so I swim in areas where if something went wrong, I could literally stand up and my, you know, my head would be above water. Um, That's my safety net. Um, I have got a couple of mates that every now and again come for a swim with me, which is great. I love it. I, I just love having people there with me because you spend a lot of time there by yourself and um, it's just nice to be able to have that chat with someone and you know talk about swimming or whatever else you're doing during the day and um, you know get on with your day so but look I'm really happy that the lakes are there that sort of helps me I suppose with that open water effect you know if I get a strong northerly in summer you know it blows its guts out and um um, you know, you get pretty solid white caps, and it's very rigid type um, white caps. Like you, you, and you're not sitting on top of the water like you do in the ocean. You know, every stroke is there to keep you on top of the water, whereas you sort of can't relax as much. So I, I find it um, uh, when I go down to say Victoria and swim down there, and as soon as I get in and start swimming, I feel as if I'm just floating. You know, on top of the water, whereas down in the lakes, um, you know, every stroke feels heavy. Yep. Um, so I suppose it's, you know, trying to get my technique right, trying to keep me on top of the water because I don't naturally sit on top of the water. I My backside drags me, <laughs> drags me down a fair bit and um, I've been trying to fix, fix that problem for quite a while. I'm still battling with it, but um, anyway... Uh, Hopefully we'll get there one day. Well, maybe that's good training for the for the salt water swimming in the the, the fresh water. Build your strength, perhaps. I'm no coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, I, for me, I think it it's just a nice feeling to go from swimming in fresh water to salt water because the sensation is so different. Um, and I, I love it. I just notice it straight away. And um, you know, there's plenty of imperfections with my stroke. And when I get in salt water, I feel as if I've corrected them, you know, straight yep. away. But but in reality, I haven't. But it just means I can sit on top of that water a bit more. Yeah. And and you must have cracked the cold water, um, you know, issue if you can swim eight hours at Port Phillip Bay. Yeah. <laughs> well, when we did that, was um, that was seventeen, seventeen half degrees, and. Um, the the thing with that swim was, uh, it was it was rough. Like it got rougher. We, we headed off at five in the morning. Uh, swam with a group of friends, um, uh, Andrew Heaney, um, Simon Myers, and Glenn Taylor, and we took off um, before sun up, so it was dark. So you could see the city lights. You know, that's a surreal feeling. That is, mm. it's you know, it's amazing you know you swim with the mates you got your flashlight on the back of your head and you're swimming around the, the yacht club and you're looking directly at the city and you're just out there by yourself um, and we we're sort of doing circuits um, you know one hour circuits 
might have been a bit more than that. And um, but yeah, as the morning went on, uh, it just got rough, like really rough. And uh, I think four four five wins, and um, I think it was only I think it was seventeen seventeen and a half in and fourteen out or twelve or fourteen out and overcast. So uh, got to the got to the five and a half six hour mark, I think, and. Um, we were sort of given a directive from uh, coach to come inside the marina because it was starting to get a bit dangerous mm. out in the open water so they could keep an eye on us. And um, I think um, I was told that um, my coach, Mike, looked at me and he said, oh, I think we'll pull him out at the six-hour mark. And of course, yeah, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> and, um, and I probably would have got out at six hours, but... Um, um, my my feeding was wrong. Like I just um, I had um, a couple of mates there feeding me and my daughter Emma, and um, it wasn't quite right. And uh, Mike come on board and he said, you know, give him this, give him this, and um, that helped me. So the importance of feeding properly was huge. And anyway, I got to the six hour mark, and um, he must have looked at me and said, no, he's going all right, and um, and uh, managed to get to the eight hour mark, but. I could hardly stand up. I, you know, trying to get out of the water was a real, real battle. And um, I remember looking up at people, and I'm thinking, well, they're totally rugged up. They've got their beanies on, you know, their jackets on, and you know, we're all nuts. We're out in the middle of the ocean <laughs> swimming around in circles, <laughs> and mind you, there were some people there that did it way easier than what I did. I must admit, and. Um, but yeah, I was really happy to have completed that. And what I learned a lot about myself that day, Mark, um, swimming swimming eight hours, and I learned not what to do in a lead up to a swim like that. Um, you know, my preparation wasn't ideal. My swim preparation wasn't too bad. Like that was pretty good, but you know, probably wasn't looking after myself the way I should have. Um, there was just a number of things and, you know, I had a, a premonition, I suppose you could call it, and I thought, right, this is um, this is reality. I've got to get fair dinkum here and try and do everything I can right um, for that day in July. Mm-hmm. And um, So it's the best thing that ever happened to me, that swim. I learned a hell of a lot about myself, yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and so, mm. what, what do you what do you like to eat, or what were you eating, and then what what's worked out better? Yeah, so um, and I'm still trialling this, um, but what I I had rice cream, and I just had a number of goos. Uh, I had um, baked beans, um, and so I'd do a full circuit, come back around. And I'd have a have a drink of say Gatorade, um, so hot chocolate, something like that, something warm. Um, and the goo that I was using probably didn't have enough uh, sugars in it, like enough enough stuff in there to keep me moving. And um, anyway, what, what, what it was a funny thing that happened because I'd have my um, baked beans, which was fine. Um, Anyway, got to the, say, halfway mark, and my, my friends that were feeding me, uh, they've cracked open the rice cream, and they've seen that I'm cold, so they've thought it would be a good idea 
to add warm water to the rice cream. Well, basically what they did is they've, they've completely diluted it to a point where it was like rotten milk <laughs> and no rice because I remember oh. pouring it in my mouth and I'm thinking, geez, don't they put rice in rice cream anymore? <laughs> 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 and, and, but under us, it had all been diluted and, um, and they, were, they thought they were helping me out. So not only was I learning how to get through this eight hours but they were learning how to try and feed me correctly um and mike come up to um my crew and said look you know give him warm water and they just put a heap of uh, sugar in the water and instantly that made an instant difference it was easier to consume um and uh, i just felt better internally and even though I was fairly fatigued, if I didn't have that sort of tucker in front of me, I think I'd, I don't think I would have made it, to be quite truthful. Um, but also, my lead-up feeding into that eight hour wasn't ideal. Someone asked me, I said, oh, have you been carbo-loading, you know? Have you been looking after yourself coming into it? I said, yeah, yeah, I had a feed of pasta last night, you know, before the swim. And that was my lead-up feeding into the eight hours so wasn't very good um and i've since learned a lot you know about feeding well and you know getting plenty of rest and you know for significantly long swims like that and it's just something i didn't do um that's so you know basically i finished it and learned a hell of a lot um about the lead up into it about trying to get to that eight hour mark and um also recovering. But I must admit, Mark, at the end of it, I did ask if I could have a beer, yep. um, you know, the next day. Wasn't that night? It was the yeah. next... No, it was that night, actually. And um, so I did. I, I had hope a stubby. yes, yeah. Yeah, I had a couple of stubbies of stout and um, passed out, mate. I slept well that night. <laughs> you slept amazingly <laughs> well that night, I imagine. <laughs> I slept very well. <laughs> Have you have you had a swim with a support boat before? Uh, only a couple of practice runs in. Oh no, sorry. Yes, I have. I've done I've done a couple actually. We did the um, Bondi to Watson's Bay. Done that twice. Yeah. Um, and that was that's did that this year. I think it was um, start of this year. Yeah, that was um, that was great. That was terrific. I'd um, love to do that. Oh look, it's. It is well worth the um, effort. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to know a couple of people at a boat, and there was actually six of us um, doing it, and we had a couple of kayakers, and it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant swimming along those cliffs. Um, and then, um, so I've done that a couple of times, and also a little bit of stuff in the lakes where the boat's sort of going along next to me. But other than that, that's about it. What do you think about because it's you're going to be in the water for a long time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I just it was interesting doing the eight hour because um, I I think about trying to maintain a, a good stroke, and if I'm starting fatigue, trying to stretch my stroke out a bit further, um, and then I just get I just go into this trance. I think 
more than anything. If I'm comfortable, I, my mind wanders all over the place. But um, if 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 the conditions are reasonably tough, I spend a lot of time just trying to do things right. So I'm concentrating heavily, to be quite truthful, um, on trying to get to the end point. Um, yeah. So and when I'm swimming in the lakes, for example, um, it's just getting to each end point, each section of... Because, you know, I'll be swimming and I'll know when I get to a certain tree and I know when I get to, a, you know, a certain point and I say, yeah, that's on the 1,500 metre mark, OK, now it's time to up it or something like that. So, um, but what it does do is it distracts you from everyday, you know, your everyday life because, you know, you're constantly just trying to... You're thinking about trying to get it right. Yep, and um, you know you get that you get that break, you get that spell, which is nice. It's probably quite meditating, really. Absolutely, um, meditating and trying to breathe at the same time, and trying not to drown at the same time. It's an interesting concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it seems to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's different. That's for sure. And and so what what's next over the next? So you've got. Uh, a bit less than a year. What what are, what what are the plans uh, over the rest of the year and, and into next year in, in preparation? Yeah, so we've got the Rotness, um, and uh, I've got the eight hour. Um, I'll probably um, yeah, leading up into sort of Christmas when the water starts heating up, um, probably start cranking. You know, my average my average daily swim will probably be hovering around that four between four and five k mark, and then every now and again I'll throw a longer one in. Um, so really, it's it's really about creating a bedrock of of work, um, sort of leading up into into December, and and then ramping that up. Uh, you know, looking to do rotness so. I'm sure Mike Gregory will um, give me some horrendous pool sets um, to do, um, and uh, and I'll just get it done. I'll just go and get it done. And um, you always feel like you're achieving something. I think every time you get in the water, you feel like you've won. You know, you get out and you go, "Yep, tick that box." You know, sometimes it can take a bit of effort to get there, but um, once you've completed it. Um, a swim you feel really good about yourself so it's well worth the effort and you probably can't answer this one until july next year but do you think there are other bucket list swims on your list or do you think this is going to scratch the itch? What What do you think? Yeah, look, I it's a very hard one to answer. I mean, I, um, you know, I know by July the twenty eighth, I would have been training for this for three years. I mean, I've been swimming before that, but literally, my is on the prize. So it's been a three year, will be a three year process, assuming we can get across there again. Um, and because I'm thinking, you know, beyond that. Thinking if I can complete that, um, you know, there are other opportunities out there, and I think because I've put myself in that space, 
I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to walk away from it, to be quite truthful. Mm. And maybe I don't want to because, um, like I said earlier, you know, the capacity to be able to travel, jump in the water with, um, you know, anyone, go for a swim, you know, I just love that. Um, do the, um, you know, the manly swim, for example. You know, go down there and the um, uh, they've got a great little swim down there. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the name of it now. Um, That's the Cole Classic. Yeah, no, no, not the Cole Classic. The they swim every day. Um, oh, oh, Bold and the Beautiful. The Bold and the, yeah, Bold and the Beautiful. Yep. Um, done that a couple of times and, and just love it for what it is. Uh, it's a cracking little swim, you know, across the Shelley Beach and yeah. back, and you see the fish life. I mean, it's just amazing, absolutely amazing. It's well controlled too. You know, you're not allowed to go until everyone, until the leader goes, and then when you get to Shelley Beach, and then you pull up there, and then it's well done. It's really well done, and I love that little swim. But but also, um, you know, that beautiful coastline. Um, you know the New South Wales coastline, or, or the, you know the pools, the swimming pools, the rock pools. Yep. I mean, just amazing. I mean, who wouldn't want to jump in those ocean pools? <laughs> I mean, they're just awesome. Yeah. So, um, it's a bit like playing golf, really, swimming in a way, because wherever you go, you only need your golf sticks, or, in our case, um, pair of bloody um, bathers, and, and away you go. You, go. you know. Especially now yeah. you've got the cold water cracked, you can swim anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the ice mile, Mark. Ah, yeah. Someone can el- someone else can do that. So it doesn't quite get cold enough up in Broken Hill for that? No, 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 it doesn't. And, um, I've got a swimming pool, actually, in, the, in our house yard here. And um, if I don't get to the lake, for example, I've got a pool bend and I'll... I'll whack that on and, you know, punch out half an hour or something. And the water's got to seven in there. Um, yep. And you know it's seven. You, like, you just, every degree that, you know, it, for every degree it drops, your body just reacts so differently to it. And, I, yep. you know, I, I just recall getting out at seven. I was only in there for 15 minutes. And um, I just felt weird. And I got out and I was like a beetroot. And... Uh, yeah, and I remember jumping in the shower and looking at my feet, and I was just like multicolored. Um, you know. <laughs> Things you do to yourself. <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff going on. <laughs> Have you ever suffered uh, from what do they call it? The drop, where where oh, all the cold yeah, water, yeah, cold blood rushes that's back. Just, absolutely, that's sort of standard for me. Um, if I go uh, for uh, or when I swim through winter, um, I just about get that all the time. So, really? you know, but so what, you know, my, my practice is I drive to the lake, um, I set my vehicle up on 29 and a half degrees, um, flat out, um, and I have, I line my towel up and uh, I've generally got a cup of tea or a Milo or something sitting in there in a thermos. I jump in, I strip off, jump in the water, go swim for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, whatever, whatever, however long, and, um, and because you live in the desert, you know, your um, outside temperature in the height of winter, you know, sits you know, around that zero, one, two degrees. So when you're going in the water, it's bloody cold. And um, 
I get out and I once I get out, I uh, race straight to my tower, uh, fire the car up and um, jump in. And by the time I've got dressed and got my hands around the thermos, um, I'm shaking like a leaf, like yeah. absolutely shaking. And um, takes me takes me a fair while to come come down. So yeah, I do get that body drop, and but rarely do I have a shower after. I'll just because the trip's about 45 minutes and I've got the heater cranked up. Um, yeah, I'm, and I pull up when I get home, get out of the car, and then straight away you feel that cold air on you. And you, so it does take me a while to heat up. But I don't know. I think I'm half mad, really. <laughs> <laughs> Make you feel alive, <laughs> anyway. that's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't know if I can ever stop doing that now. Now, now I do it. And I just, I like it so much. And and look, it's funny because well, it's interesting because I've. I've had three people come with me now um, that are pretty keen to try it, and um, and uh, they keep coming back. So you know they they're enjoying it. Yeah. And you know, of course, they get out of the water and their lips aren't moving and they can't put their socks <laughs> on and all the rest of it. <laughs> but you know, I've done it a little bit now to to know that you know I'm aware that if someone hasn't done it, I don't. You know, I make sure they're in and out reasonably quick. I don't try and drag them along and see what sort of reaction I can get out of because <laughs> it's bloody dangerous. But, um, um, yeah. So no wetsuits? It, it, nah, well, well, that's the other thing too, Mark, I suppose. If um, if the pools aren't open in Broken Hill next year and it starts to get cold, you know, I will have to start wearing, you know, a formal wetsuit of some of some description just so I can keep swimming the distances in the lake yeah. because I you know I can't um or well, haven't um swam you know 10k's in 10 degrees for example I've never done that yeah. um, in fact I haven't swam 5k's in 10 degrees um so um whereas I know you know my coach and a, and a couple of his students um you know they go jump in port phillip bay and they'll swim between three and five k's and that sort of stuff right. i don't know how they do it it's amazing <laughs> we don't need to go that far in for the english channel do you Cause in, in, what's the english channel like 16 degrees or something like that yeah i look i yeah it could be it could be 16 could be 18 it might, it might um, be higher yeah i'm not sure yeah it might be less um i hope it's um, you know, we live in hope to think it might be 17 or 18, but, you know, who knows? I mean, it, you know, they say those, you know, you just have no control over that sort of thing. So I think um, what my coach says, you know, try and normalise the conditions the best you can. So, you know, you force yourself into being un- uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and um well, you've got a really strong routine going as well, and getting up early in the morning and driving to the pool or to the lake or whatever. And because I mean, you're a busy guy managing a, a property as well. Yeah, um, I just um, basically I try and get there in the morning, but you know, uh, if we're doing stock work, for example, you know, all our majority of our stock work is you know early in the morning, uh, mustering and whatnot, and that could lead us up until eleven, twelve. You know, or by lunchtime, so you sort of miss out. Um, so you try, you know, for me, um, I'll do something in the evening, say, for example. But I, I try, I'm trying to be in the water, say, five days a week, um, five out of the seven, and do a little bit of CrossFit training. 
Uh, if I'm out of the water for three days straight, I feel like I'm ripping myself off. So, um, yeah, I've just got to get in some way or form. And they're not always massive sets, as long as I'm in there rolling arms over. Um, but that'll come. That'll come. Yeah, and I guess the mustering and whatnot is pretty good crossfit. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um, you know, it's something I've been used to my whole life and, and I suppose you build up strengths in different areas. Um, but yeah, one thing I am not is that it's flexible. So, yeah, it's very difficult um, to, you know, learning to stretch properly and do that sort of thing. Um, but it's quite, it can be quite physical at times, yeah, true. I mean, we could spend, you know, a couple of weeks straight on a motorbike and, and um, just doing you know quite physical stuff and uh, and then you add the swimming component or you know gym or crossfit component to that um you know i think you know you'd burn up quite a few calories on a daily basis so you know it's important to keep shoving that food down your throat and yeah. um and getting plenty of sleep mark yeah well i was going to um, say you must be hungry and tired all the time <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, uh, mate, by the time eight thirty, nine o'clock comes around, she's all over for me. <laughs> and <laughs> so I generally, I set my alarm for half past four, quarter to five every day um, as a rule. And if I haven't got my alarm set, I'm awake by five anyway. And yeah. and I've just got, in, got so used to that. But, you know, I love the mornings, Mark. I mean, it's just beautiful. So it doesn't worry me. But, you know, I'm not one to be sitting up at 11 at night. I just can't get there. Well, I mean, it's, it's still eight hours sleep. I mean, that's still, that's that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much my routine for sure. And and eating a lot as well, I imagine. Oh, yeah, eat like a horse. <laughs> I used to eat like a horse when I was 15. I think I've gone back to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I eat plenty. plenty. Oh, I mean, Broken Hill's got, you know, it's got a good name for food and, and wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's 18,000 people in, in Broken Hill and it's um, there's everything there that you want. Well, certainly for me anyway, my family. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good place to live. I mean, I've, I was born north of Broken Hill. I was born in Broken Hill, but um, come off a sheep and cattle station up there and basically um, met my wife and we've been uh, managing properties and whatnot since then. And um, now I'm 48 and uh, still doing it. So there must be something there I love about it. Um, I just like it. Your kids like it too? They, they want to stay around that area? Yeah, they, they like it. I mean, they like the open spaces, but we manage a, a place for a family company, so we don't own it. So, you know, um, you know, I'm sort of promoting my children to try and get out there and see what see what's about. So my oldest daughter, uh, Emma, she's 21, and she's uh, studying in Armidale, and I've got twins. Uh, we've got twins, and they're 15, and they're both doing... Uh, school, secondary school at Yanko, uh, over near Griffith. Okay. Yeah, so they're in year 10. Um, yeah, so three kids, and um, they're growing up quick. <laughs> Do they go swimming with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although they, um, a couple of them keep really active, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all active kids, really. 
But um, yeah, no, they they don't go swimming with me. But they are terrific supporters of mine. And uh, I must say too, my wife Jacinta, she's been she's been enormous as well um, on this journey. Um, there's never any pressure. Um, she knows how my brain works, and um, I just get in, get amongst it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's lovely. So she is. She's now a swim widow, yeah. uh, according to her, and she's probably right. <laughs> she's probably oh, right. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And you know, you try and organise a holiday. Of course, there's you know everything revolves around. If, yeah. Is there a swimming pool? Swim is there too? water? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, we find a way. Oh, maybe you could organise the inaugural Menindee Lakes swim or something like that. Yeah, well, there's a few plans. Um, we do have a couple of plans in uh, in motion at the moment, so we we'll, um, we just uh, need to tick a few boxes before we do that. But um, we may even have a crack at swimming um, some of these lakes um, if they fill up. So that's exciting. That's really a few things, a few boxes we need to tick to be able to do that, you know, That's legally it. and do it the right way and yep, yep, all the rest absolutely. of it. So um, we're in the throes of um, hopefully achieving that. Should be great. Oh, that's, I mean, that was just a throwaway line, but that's really great. That, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. We'll um, see how we go. Um, lakes are still filling at the moment, so um, to achieve that, this. You know that water's not there yet, so um, yeah. And that's is that. Um, can you predict that? Like, I guess it, it could be a drought mm. next year, right? And, and it could be. All yeah, well, it's sort of. I mean, it cannot rain here, and the lakes can have plenty of water in it. So it depends on what you get in the catchment. So um, there's quite a significant amount of water coming down the Darling at the moment, and there has been for quite a while. Um, the last time the lake. The Menindee Lakes filled to 93%. That was back in 2016-17. And previous to that was in 2012, I believe. So, you know, we're in 2021 now and um, there's significant inflow coming now. So um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see because the... You know, of course, the lakes fill up, but the you know there's areas in and around the lakes, like little smaller type lakes that fill up, and you know all these trees get a really good drink, and the bird life is extraordinary. Yeah, and um, the whole area just comes comes to life. It's it's quite amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, that'd be beautiful to see. It must be tough during the the drought periods. Yeah, it, I tell you, it's tough to see the lakes dry. Uh, there's there's no fun in that. Um, and look, I've only been you know, in and around the lake system since we've moved from up north of Broken Hill down here um, uh, for six years. But I have a I have a greater understanding of um, the importance of the lakes and what it means to the area. And um, and when you see it. Uh, you just want to see it all the time. Um, and, you know, in reality, they, once these lakes fill up, they just give so much back, um, you know, to, you know, the wildlife, the communities and all the rest of it. So, and, uh, you know, in the surrounding areas. Uh, it's just incredible system. 
Oh, and uh, I hope they fill up forever and a day. I hope they. I hope it just gets to a point where those lakes have got some water in them all the time. Yeah, you know, it's quite amazing. Oh, that sounds beautiful. You paint a, like a really lovely picture. Well, it is. It is a lovely picture, and and when you've got the opportunity to um, be part of that, uh, you know, it's just there's just nothing like it. And and you see when the lakes do get. Um, water in it um, you know tourists just come from miles just to see it and it gives back you yeah. know and, and I don't know what people's expectations are when they come up here uh, to see these big lakes but because they're stuck in the middle of the outback there's something significant about that it's just the ruggedness and um, you know the dead timber the live timber the you know, the birds are associated with it and um, yeah, just the general animals around um, the edge of the lake and freshwater clams and nutty cod and carp and, you know, perch and whatever else is floating around in there, yabbies, all sorts of different crustaceans and, you know, lizards and, you, know, you name it, it just comes alive. And, and when you've got bodies of water like that, uh, you notice it. You notice a massive difference to the country and how it responds. So, yeah, I, I just... I just love them. I think they're great. And fish that swim into your mouth when you're swimming. <laughs> yeah. It's only happened to me once, but it did happen. Straight in the gob, mate. <laughs> That's great. I hadn't, heard that. I hadn't heard that happening before. It's awesome. Thank you very much, Brendan, for taking so much time to chat to me about your inland swimming adventures on your way to a 2022 crossing of the English Channel. If you'd like any more information on Brendan's monumental journey, get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. And if you like, you can follow me on Twitter, Strava. I'm lurking on most of the social media networks. Thanks again, Brendan. That's awesome. And thanks everyone for tuning in. I'll catch you next time on The Pod.